0: Well, it's, my, uh, it's my joy to bring the word to you guys tonight. Uh, we are going to be continuing our series in the one another passages. Uh, and the passage that we'll be looking at uh, tonight is found in the book of James. Uh, James is a book written by the half-brother of Jesus, primarily to scattered uh, Jewish Christians, uh, yeah, scattered throughout uh, a broad region. And Uh, we in particular find ourselves in the final section of the book after James has just reminded us uh, that the Lord Jesus will indeed return and and that the circumstances that we face in this life will all come come to an end, whether we view them as good or bad. Uh, And we're reminded that God is sovereign over all things. Uh, And what matters, therefore, above all is how we relate to him. Uh, And this brings us to verse 13. Chapter 5 of James, uh, I'll pick up in verse 13, read through uh, 16. James writes, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So in in these verses, we see a call to commune with God by exercising faith in, in various circumstances. Right, so uh, faith responds to suffering by pressing into him in prayer. Faith responds to gladness by singing praise. Faith responds, uh, yeah, by calling for others to join you in crying out to God for help in your sickness. And, and so what's clear in this passage is that, that we live in a fallen world, uh, and, and it's a fallen world from which we need to be healed, Right? And, and part of the means that God uses to bring about healing in us, uh, ultimate, holistic healing, is the confession of our sins to one another. And, and what this confession does is, is, is it enables us to cast aside any hope in our own good works, in our own good image, or any other false hope, so that we may instead trust Christ and place our hope in his power to heal us. And, and so our main point tonight is going to be this. God works through confession of our sins to give us sobriety and the help we need to truly be healed. I'll say it one more time. God works through confession of our sins to give us sobriety and to give us the help we need to truly be healed. So the first point, the nature of confession The term confess that we see in verse 16 of James 5, uh, it means to acknowledge or agree fully. Okay, so in its essence, it means that we're confronted with God's word and, and then we believe that what God has called good is indeed good. And we believe that what God has called evil is indeed evil. It's to agree with him. So when James is going to tell us here in this verse to confess our sins, he's telling us to call sin in our own lives what God calls sin, right? He, he's calling us to acknowledge that we have fallen short of his standard. And and so confession of sin, uh, yeah, in reality, this is part of just what it means to be a Christian, right? We, we understand that we are sinful. We... Uh, yeah, we we can't actually truly believe the gospel without confessing our sin. Um, every one of us has sinned. And, and it's not just that we've all generally sinned. It's that every one of us has very specifically sinned, has very really and concretely sinned. And so it's, to, it's not just to assent. oh, yeah, everyone's sinned. It's, oh, I've sinned. And I can look at my life and identify ways that this is very, very much true. Um. Yeah, and, and so the reality is that we have fallen short of his glory because of that sin. We have incurred his just wrath as a result. And this acknowledgement of our sins, though, what it does is it then leads us to what Galatians is going to call uh, Galatians is gonna call the law, in a sense, um, a, a tutor, a guardian uh, that, that imprisons us such that all we know from the law is that we're sinners. All we know is that we need help. What we know is that we need deliverance. And so this is what the acknowledgement of of our sins is going to do. It's going to point us to Jesus, right? Jesus was sent by the Father to come and to dwell among men on earth. But the difference is that Jesus, though he was tempted in every way that we are, he is yet without sin, right? He came and he lived a sinless life, and therefore he is a worthy and righteous substitute. And he came to die on the cross in our place. The greatness about that is that he did not stay in the grave. He rose from the dead three days later. Uh, proof that he had indeed sent, been sent by the Father, that the Father had accepted his sacrifice. Right? He has ascended into heaven. He now sits in heaven at the, throne, at the right hand of the throne of God, and he intercedes on behalf of all of his people. Those are all glorious truths. But none of that is applied to us if we don't by faith confess that Jesus is Lord and that he is our only hope for salvation. And so as we look at James 5, 16, what's unique is that there's this call here not only to confess our sins, that's all over the Bible, but specifically... We're called to confess our sins to one another, right? There's certainly calls uh, across the breadth of Scripture to walk in the light, right, to, to confess sin. But, but here we see this, this unique um, call, this unique command to confess our sins to one another because in it there's a promise. There's a promise that leads us to, that our confession will lead us along with a prayer, um, yeah, that, that comes as a result will lead us to Christ, Right? So, uh, and this brings us to our second point, uh, which is the need for our confession to one another. Okay? The need for confession to one another. Yeah, so part of what makes confession for us difficult confession not, not just to God privately, but also to one another difficult is that um, yeah, confession of our sin necessarily implies that sin exists, right? There is sin. We have sinned. And, and we're just like our first parents, Adam and Eve, who in the garden, they're given a command, one command. And, and they ate of that forbidden fruit, right? They sought, uh, that they rebelled against God, and they sought to cover themselves as a result from one another and from the Lord himself by hiding among the trees. And it's the shame of their sin that's driven them into hiding. And the same is true of every human who has ever lived since Adam and Eve and the same is true of us right it's true of you it's true of me we've sinned just like they did we have the same nature we've rejected the rule of God in our lives and in our shame our first instinct is to hide in the dark and keep from walking in the light and walking in the truth with one another yeah we we love our image and we love to work to protect it. And the reality is that it's, it's actually really difficult not to. Right? We, we have a nature that's bent towards sin. But not only is that true, we also have an enemy in Satan who prowls around. Uh, 1 Peter 5 is going to tell us. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He tells us the same lies that he told Adam and Eve. He tempts us in the same way to seek to be like God by exalting ourselves into the place of God on the throne of our hearts. He tempts us to disagree with what God has said. He casts doubt on God's word to us and he blackmails our hearts into keeping our sin in the dark so that we would be liked by the world and accepted by others. And and also so that we may protect our image, so that those around us would think better, uh, that, that we are actually better than we are, right? So they would think we're more holy than we are, so that they would think we actually need less help than we do. And he tells us that the cost of coming into the light is too great, that the shame we'll face actually isn't worth it. And so we're tempted to hide in the dark and maintain walls between ourselves and God and between ourselves and others. And in so doing, we're actually never really fully known. Nobody knows us, right? Whatever, whatever, whatever way we walk is always a lie, right? And, and so the irony in, in all of this is that it's in the dark where we give guilt and shame the power to thrive that's that's where those things live and it's here that we are tempted to walk in and indeed we do walk in unbelief of the gospel and and so with all of this stacked against us with our our nature bent with with Satan seeking to destroy us, with a world that is that is aimed at leading us uh, to to fall away, to to not believe God, it's it's a great kindness to us that God gives us His Spirit to give conviction, and it's a great kindness to us that God gives us one another, who also are indwelt with the Spirit, that yeah can can help us and and can encourage us in the truth and can walk alongside us and point us to what God has said is good and what God has said is evil and to remind us that it's true to remind us of his promises when we confess our sins to one another it puts those sins in the light so that those in our community can help us pursue real healing. And this doesn't mean that confession is the last stop or it's the end. Oh, I've confessed, so yeah, there's nothing, nothing else to do. But it is a necessary, uh, yeah, it's a necessary marker on, on the road to uh, to healing. Okay, so uh, sub point under this under the second point, the sub point A, we confess because we need sobriety. So from the outset, I want to say 1 Timothy 2.5 tells us this. There is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave his life as a ransom for all. Jesus alone is our mediator, okay? No, no one else can save us. We, he is our mediator. We have direct access to him. But that said, we often set ourselves up As the experts on whether or not we actually need help in fleeing from our sin. But we're really easily deceived. And it's why the writer of Hebrews is going to say uh, to us, exhort, this is Hebrews 3.13, exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Every day. Why? Because we are all prone to be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And, and so this, this thing about confessing to one another uh, that, yeah, that's, that's so great for us is that there's something about having uh, to look somebody else in the face and humble ourselves, right? There's something about looking a, a brother, looking a sister eye to eye, and, yeah, yeah, and confessing the, way, the, the ways that we, specific ways we've rebelled against God that really sobers us to what sin is. And to the trajectory that it would set us on. Okay, so when you confess to a brother or sister that you lied on your taxes, when you confess to a brother or sister that you were harsh toward your wife again, or that you failed to honor your husband again, or that you lied to your father, or that you browse the internet with lustful intent. Or that you committed sexual immorality with someone not your spouse. Or that you slandered a brother or a sister and defamed his name. Or that you went to the doctor so he could give you more legal drugs to abuse. right? Or, or that you disciplined your child out of selfish anger rather than out of love. Or that you lost control and screamed at your family. Or that you disobeyed your parents dot, 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 fill in the blank. There's something about concretely expressing the ways that we've rebelled against God and gone against his will that sobers us to that sin. Now, this this doesn't mean that we should go home and get on Facebook and the way to confess our sins is to, yeah, to broadcast it for everyone. Right? That's, that's not what we mean. But, but what it does mean is that we should seek out real, specific relationships where we can confess our sins in concrete ways. And so there's several ways that we can, we can do that, right? We can confess our sins, but, yeah, we're actually not really confessing our sins. One of those is, is to do it in a sort of, hey, I'm checking the box here by confessing my sin to this brother, today. And then in 2 days when I sin again, I'll I'll confess it to that brother. And then 2 days later when I sin again, I'll confess it to this brother. And next week I'll confess it to this brother. What's the problem? No one has a clear picture of who you are and how you're struggling. Nobody. They all have little snippets, but nobody nobody has a pulse on how you're really doing and how to really help you. And it's a gift. Uh, That God has given us uh, that we would we would be fully known right we would confess in a way that yeah is really opening ourselves up at the very least we should consistently confess our sins to the same people and when you confess really confess how many times are you tempted to wait until yeah a certain period of time has passed before you say feel safe about confessing a particular sin Right, As though information on this sin is G14 classified, and I can't share that with anybody until next year when it's over and I'm no longer dealing with it. Then, oh yeah, hey, I, I sinned this way a year ago, or I used to struggle in this way, but now I've got it all together. Right? That's, that's not confession. And additionally, how many times are you tempted when you do confess to others to actually soften the blow? Right to minimize what you did to make your sin seem less serious than it really is, to make yourself seem a little more holy than you are, to say, you know, sister, I'm I'm messed up again, right? We use these labels, I messed up again, or you know, brother, I've been really struggling with this this week, or yeah, hey, you know what, I uh, I've been really tempted by this the last few days. Have you been tempted or have you sinned? Have you struggled or have you sinned? Right. So there's there's something about actually calling those things what they are, calling sin, sin, that, again, sobers us to what it is and sobers us to our need for Jesus, right? It's a rebellion. Our sin is rebellion against God. It's, it's, it's exactly what Jesus came to die for, right? So let's identify ourselves rightly and let's give God the full glory For saving us. Concrete confession of our sins to one another is a gift from the Lord to ground us in reality and guard us against the deception of pride. I'll say it again. Concrete confession of our sins to one another is a gift from the Lord to ground us in reality and guard us against the deception of pride. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book Life Together. Um, said this, confession in the presence of a brother is the profoundest kind of humiliation. It hurts. It cuts a man down. It is a dreadful blow to pride. In the confession of concrete sins, the old man dies a painful, shameful death before the eyes of a brother. Because this humiliation is so hard, we continually scheme to avoid it. Yet in the deep mental and physical pain of humiliation before a brother, we experience our rescue and salvation. And I want to be really clear, there's a cost to confessing our sin, right? There's a cost to exposing uh, the the, the things that we, the ways that we have rebelled, the, the people that we have wronged, the lies that we have told. At the very least, it's going to entail momentary humiliation, right? At the very least. But then sometimes... Real repentance is then going to include the need for further action and seeking of restoration to those we've wronged, right? It's sometimes going to include the need to rebuild the trust that we've broken with one that we've hurt, and it could mean a long road ahead. But the cost, the cost of being deceived by our sin and growing callous to the Lord, such that we would not endure in faith to the end, is infinitely greater. Infinitely. And we foolishly, consistently, and drastically overestimate our ability to wage war against our sin without the help of our brothers and sisters. And this is why we must confess to one another. It gives us sobriety. And then, subpoint so B we confess because it paves the way for reconciliation and fellowship with one another. Confession of our sin to one another not only requires humility before God, it also requires humility before one another, right? Every one of us has sinned without exception, right? All of us. When we confess our sins to others, we not only take the steps we need toward healing, but we also cultivate an atmosphere for others where it's safe and encouraged to come into the light to find real healing. Uh, Garrett said this last Sunday, You're pretending deceives others so they can't help you it also deceives others and they will follow you in your example so i would ask you have you ever been scared to confess your sins to someone because you dreaded how it would hurt them or because yeah you dreaded how disappointed they were going to be in you or yeah how humiliated you would feel just getting those words out of your mouth or for some other reason, and then because you either couldn't bear to keep up the lie anymore, or because you were rightly convicted by the Spirit, uh, you you confessed. I certainly have, and I'm sure many of us have have been in in settings or yeah in relationships where we have we have then come and and confessed the ways that we have uh, yeah the ways that we have sinned specifically. Uh, even being afraid of those things and uh yeah and and we've heard other brothers and sisters confess sins with us as well and and just how yeah how um how freeing that is right it's not freeing in the sense that we feel licensed license to continue sinning but it's freeing in the sense that yeah we don't we don't minimize one another's sins our sins aren't minimized but it's, it's freeing in the sense that we're reminded in that moment of the beauty of God's grace in Christ, right? If you're a Christian, you, you most certainly have experienced this in some way, right? And I think we all would agree we want this to mark us. I don't think any of us ultimately wants to hide in the dark. We do, but we don't, Right? but we're certainly tempted to in order to keep up the lie that everything's okay, right? And because we fear people more than we ought and because we fear God less than we ought, okay? We we should repent of this. And and I just, yeah, I want to say confessing to one another is a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for us to experience grace in a real tangible way, right? There may be real consequences, probably need for follow-up, uh, but that's that's just part of the healing process. But what better thing to do than to acknowledge to other Christians, other brothers and sisters, in concrete ways that you have sinned and that your hope is is not and cannot be in your broken and messed up self, right? But your hope is in the risen Jesus, whose grace is greater than all your sin. His grace is greater than all our sin, and we should want this for our brothers and sisters. So let's work to cultivate the kind of atmosphere, um, this kind of atmosphere, by trusting in the Lord's grace as we confess our sin. It's a great way for us to continually rehearse and remind one another of the gospel, both in our confessing and in our gracious hearing of the confessions of others. We're helping one another. We say it here all the time. We're helping one another to heaven. So verse 16 says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The aim of our confession is to express faith in him who has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. The aim of confession is to agree with him. It's to be known by and to have fellowship with him and with his people and to be conformed into the likeness of Christ.